Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity.
set up and all the other volunteers that are here and the civic associations and groups that are co-sponsoring. There's about six or seven groups um, and so thank you all. We have two of the three candidates who will be on your ballot on Tuesday for City Council District 40. Uh, to my far left we have Brian Cunningham who will be on the Reform Party line on Tuesday and we have... <laughs> and we have... City Council Member Dr. Matthew Eugene seeking re-election on the Democratic Party line on Tuesday. So I'm going to ask that after those introductory applause, you try to limit the applause and any other calling out so we can get to as many questions as possible here over the next hour or so. Um, so we'll, we will jump right into our first question and Mr. Cunningham will speak first. Uh, Mr. Cunningham, you are seeking to uh, unseat an incumbent seeking re-election. Uh, what makes you more suited for the job? Why should you be the council member for this district? And why does Mr. Eugene not deserve another term? Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, moderators and hosts and participants for attending. Um, thank you, council, for showing up and Pastor Hamling for um, hosting. Um, over the last 10 years, what we've seen in our district is we've seen um, uh, 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 where do I start? <laughs> Over the last 10 years, what we've seen in our community, we've seen um, housing, affordable housing leave our community. We've seen a lot of people who've been evicted, um, displaced, and foreclosed. Um, we have one of the highest numbers of evictions, one of the highest numbers of um, foreclosures in our community. We, from 2009 to 2014, brought in the lowest amounts of discretionary funding of all 51 council districts in this community. We've also had a council member who's been in office for 10 years and only passed seven bills in those 10 years. Um, compared to his colleagues to the far north, Councilmember McCumbo, who's been in office for three years and passed 15 bills. And to his north, um, Councilmember Williams, who passed 41 pieces of legislation. Why I believe I'm the best person for this seat at this time is because I have a vision, I have plans, and I want an opportunity to implement a lot of the plans that we have in our community. Thank you. So to you, Mr. Eugene, why do you deserve another four years? You've been in the city council for 10 now. What makes you uh, deserving of another four? Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much, Ben, and thank you to all the members of the Disquid organization, and thank you to all the, uh, uh, the, the residents, and all of you who are here, thank you very much, and Brown, thank you also for being here. Let me tell you, I think that I've been doing a wonderful job for the 48th District. And the people in the district recognize that. We had a primary election where Democrats came together according to our democratic values and democratic principles to nominate the representative of the Democratic Party. And I was the one that was nominated. I was the choice of the Democrats during the primary election. The reason they do that is because they know that I have the experience the dedication, the track record, and I've been doing so much in the community to improve the quality of life of the people. And you know that. I've been endorsed by the major union in the city of New York, the union that are working very hard for the hard-working people, the union who have been in the forefront of fighting for people. And I've been endorsed also by the major leader of the Democratic Party because they believe that I'm the one who should continue to serve this district. Thank you. Thank you. So let's hold the applause, please. Let's hold the applause. So uh, 
a quick follow-up to you, Dr. Eugene. It, you mentioned the Democratic primary. In the Democratic primary, about 60% of those who voted did not vote for you, voted for somebody else. Did you hear any message in that vote? Was there any Absolutely. 60% of the vote didn't vote for me, didn't vote for him too. And more people vote for me than vote for him. Another thing, let me tell you something. The people in the community, they came to me, they were very upset about what he did. He won under the Democratic Party. People who went to vote were Democrats because they believe they have to choose a Democrat to represent them. What he did, he flipped. He didn't respect the vote of the Democrat people. He didn't respect our core democratic principle. They came to me, they said they are very upset. They didn't vote for me the first time. Now, they said they are going to vote for me. So just, just quickly, <laughs> Dr. Eugene, what, was there anything that you took away from that that makes you think more about what you would do if re-elected? Is there anything that 60% of voters not voting for you makes you think about doing things differently? No, let, let me tell you something. In the primary election, we have several candidates. Everybody has a choice. Not everybody should vote for one person. They were wonderful candidates also. Pierre Raymond was a wonderful candidate. She did a good job. Jane also was a wonderful candidate. She did a good job too. The people voted and they chose the one they believe can represent the 40th district. And I was the one. Thank you. So, Mr. Cunningham, back to you on that. You did come in second in the Democratic primary. Why continue to run in the general election on the Reform Party line? Um, so I think you hit it in the head earlier when you said 60% of Democratic voters voted against this council member, which means over the last 10 years of knowing this council member, knowing his work, 60% of Democrats who were more familiar with him than any other name on the ballot chose to go in a different direction. I think that said something about our party. On top of that, over 12,000 independents who could not vote in the Democratic primary were not given an option to vote. Our process in a Democratic country is that we are allowed to have a primary and a general. And because we have a general election, I am running in the general to give voters a choice. There's this narrative you've been using, Councilman, about me not being a Democrat. I'm a lifelong Democrat, and I am running on a third party line. I was endorsed by the Working Families Party, which is the far left of the Democratic Party. So I think that says a lot as well, Mr. Councilmember. No, please hold the applause. Please hold the applause. Okay, we're going to move along here because we want to get into issues facing the district, certainly, and a lot of specificity. Councilmember Eugene, please describe for your constituents how you see the different constituencies within the district and the di different neighborhoods in the district. How do you see those different pockets, and how do you act as a council member to bring them all together as one district? Listen, I've been all the time that I've been in the city council, and even before, I've been bringing people together. Because I, be I believe that everyone, regardless of the ethnicity, deserve the same type of respect, and they deserve the same type of uh, appreciation, and they should participate in our democracy. I've been working together with my colleagues, not to serve one ethnic background, but to serve all New Yorkers and all my constituents, regardless of what community they come from. And they recognize that. I was elected. I was, uh, you know, uh, the nominee on the primary election. And he was talking about 
60% of Democrats, but I see that they didn't vote for him. And now they are willing to vote for me. And the independent also, he cannot say that the independent are going to vote for him. The independent also, they know the wonderful job that I've been doing in the community in terms of youth services, health, affordable housing, and jobs that have been created in the community. At this very difficult time for New York City, we have to choose somebody with experience. Thank you. Somebody who knows how to have done done. He doesn't have no experience. He doesn't know how to make things done in the community. Thank you. Mr. Cunningham, how do you describe the different... Please hold the applause. Mr. Cunningham, how do you describe the different constituencies and neighborhoods in the district, and what would you do as a council member to create unity within the district? So one of the things that I'm very proud of is the fact that our community is always and continues to be a diverse community. When I think about Ditmas Park and the Victorian homes down there, when I think about Little Caribbean and Flatbush and East Flatbush, and I think about Prosper Leopards Gardens, which is a beautiful multicultural community, I realize that every day on my walk from my office to my home over to Ditmas Park, that we have different pockets and different needs. So the homeowners in Ditmas Park who need property taxes reduced because they've seen it go up for the last 10 years, I understand and feel their sentiments when I knock their doors and talk to them. I understand the pain of the immigrant communities in Flatbush because I am a first generation American whose mother came here from Jamaica in the 1970s and settled in East Flatbush. I understand the fears they, fear, they face right now because of um, what we're hearing from the federal government and the tone we're hearing. And I also understand the folks in Prosper Leopards Gardens who are seeing their rents increase over 80% in the last 10 years. So in terms of understanding how to service these communities, one of the things that I'm proud of doing every single day is walking through these neighborhoods, talking to people in communities, and not taking for granted any single voter. I walked in, in the Democratic primary, we knocked over 47,000 doors. We heard your concerns, and I promise you, when elected on Tuesday, I will echo your voices inside of City Hall, every single voice. Thank you. Mr. Cunningham, you'll start this time. Uh, if you're the council member over the next four years, how would you approach constituent services? How would you make sure that you're hearing from the voices of your constituents? What mechanisms would you set up to do that? How would you run your office to make sure that you're hearing from those different neighborhoods and those different constituencies? And just lastly, would you use any different methods of technology or social media in order to do some of that? Sure, thank you for the question. So one of the things that we did during the primary, we continue to do post-primary, is that we have neighborhood groups that meet in our office. So every week on a Monday, a different group will come in on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to bring the concerns of those different pockets of the community. The second thing we, we have done, and we've done more town halls during the course of this campaign than I think my opponent has done over the course of 10 years. So we'll continue to engage with having town halls to make sure that people's voices are heard. The last thing we are gonna do is we are going to make sure that we have constituent service hours that happen after hours. Most people work from nine to five. Our offices cannot close at 5 p.m. They have to stay open when people are home so we can serve those people. In addition to having weekend hours, there's no reason why we cannot open our doors on Saturdays and Sundays for four hours to make sure the working families that live in our district have an opportunity to talk. Lastly, social media has been a vehicle that we have used over and over and over again. I think during the Democratic primary, some of you received text messages from us. We are engaging with people very differently because we realize that both it takes emails, 
text messages, phone calls, knocks on doors, and open office hours to make sure that people's voices are heard, and I continue to make a pledge that that will be our movement moving forward. Thank you. Councilmember Eugene, how would you approach constituent services and how do you make sure that you hear from the different constituencies and different neighborhoods of the district? Uh, let me say that. According to the statistics and the report of the city council, my office is number one in providing constituent services to our constituent. Number one. And in addition to that, you were talking about, he understand the issue of the people did must pack. Let me tell you, I was very instrumental in the fight to have Victorian flag with designation for this part of the community that he's talking about. And I've been working closely with the people in Dithmas Park and the Victorian flag to address the issue. In terms of the addition, the immigration, I am the American dream realized by immigrants. I am the immigrant experience. I've been in the forefront of all the issues affecting the immigrants fighting for the immigrant to have the opportunity to have the American dream. My work for the immigrant people, starting by TPS for Haitian, TPS for Nepal, TPS for Philippines, and all the community have been served in my office. In addition to that, my office also functions on Saturday, even on Sunday. I hosted many community forums than any other county member in churches, in my office, and everywhere in my district. Thank you. So just, just to be, please hold this wall. Just, just to be clear, council member, you said that among city council members, you're number one in constituent services. In constituent services. How do you measure that? There is a, a way, I, you know, they measure that, because the number of people that I serve in my district, and if you go to my district every single day, Nine to five, Monday to Friday. I've been serving so many people in my district. Now the reason this is that I'm the number one in serving the people in the community. So, uh, Mr. Eugene, you'll, st you'll start again here. Uh, one of the most pressing issues that many folks who emailed me questions, but also uh, just discussion across the city and certainly in this district is affordable housing. So first to you, uh, Councilmember Eugene. What have you done specifically to A, fight evictions, and B, bring new affordable housing into the district? Yes. You know, this is a good question. My opponent has been talking about rhetoric and anti-policies. And I've been doing everything possible to address those issues. Affordable housing is not an issue in the 40th district. It's out of New York City. And let me tell you, working with partners and allies, I have created more than eight, I have, we have created together more than 800 really and truly affordable housing in my district where people are paying below market value. And there is one building in my district where people are paying only $250 for their apartment because of the deal that I made with HPD, because of the deal that I authorized to be, you know, in my district. Affordable housing is something that I've been addressing as a matter of fact, there's another construction in my district. I'm fighting to ensure that they include more affordable units for the people in my district. Eight, more than 800 units of truly affordable housing in my district. This is not rhetoric. This is not anti-promises. Mr. Cunningham, 
on fighting evictions, on creating affordable housing, what would you do differently than the council member has done? Can I correct one thing the council member said earlier before I jump into that? It's your, it's your minute. Um, so you rank 20th in constituent response at that time, actually, just by sitting. City and state says you rank 20th, not first, just for your clarification. Um, the second thing um, that we want to address is that affordable housing is a function of moving in our district to having more city-owned properties being at cost development, having non-for-profit developers develop affordable housing in our communities. The second thing we need to do is we need to work with the state legislator to change AMIs, which is the average medium income, which are too high in this neighborhood, to reflect community medium incomes. That is something that you are not currently fighting for, and that can change the landscape. The second thing we need to do is we need to advocate and fight to make sure that um, rent freezes stay, actually do a rent reduction, not a rent freeze, but a rent rollback for a lot of people, and rent stabilization council member, those are big things. It's not about creating 80 units of $250 units. It is about creating a dynamic where more people can have affordable housing in this community. Only way we do that is by looking at CMIs, community medium incomes, and doing more at-cost development on every city-owned property in this district. But you mentioned that we're gonna give we're going to give the council member a 30-second... You mentioned that what he will do, he will work with non-for-profit organizations to create affordable housing. That's exactly what I've been done. That's what I've done. By working with non-for-profit organizations, I did create more than 800 truly affordable housing. I did it before. I've been doing that. I know how to do it. In addition to that, he's talking about rent-free, free rent. I've been in the forefront of the fight to ask for the rent to be free. And do you remember two years ago, we were able to stop the increase of the rent. If you have one year lease, your rent was frozen. And if you have two year lease, it was increased only for a small. That was because of the effort, the fight that I have been part of. Thank you. On a, on a somewhat related on a somewhat related topic, some uh, members of the community are worried about out-of-context development, uh, new development that is larger than the surrounding uh, housing and, and other uh, development in the area. Do you see that as a problem in the district? If so, where and what do you want to do about it? Council member, you start, yes. Listen, affordable housing crisis is a big crisis in the New York City right now. I've been working on that. My opponent is talking about a rhetoric and empty promises, but I'm done so much. Fenimore Street, right now, I drained the resident of Fenimore Street to downzone Fenimore, and I sent a letter, letter to the commissioner. There's Maple Street Garden. If you go to Maple Street, there's a land, empty land, that developer could use to build big houses. I gave half a million dollars for the people at Maple Street to create a Maple Garden. That was one of the ways to prevent the developers to come to the community and build a big boxes I'm that will change the character of the neighborhood. I'm just gonna pause you because we, we want to fix the mic. Uh, there's a little bit of reverb on your mic, so we're just gonna fix that. Test one, test two. All right, thank you. 
Thank you. So uh, just just to wrap up on is is out of context development a problem in in the it is a problem not only in my district but all over the city of New York. But when Bob President Manny Makoto was here, we sent together letters to the commissioner to downzone a large part of my district. Community board 17 is fighting for downzone also, downzoning. And I sent letters on behalf of the community board 17 to ask the commissioner to downzone this part of my district. I'm in the forefront, I'm part of the fight to make sure we downzone many areas in our district and others to prevent this disaster of changing the character of our neighborhood. Thank you. Okay, we'll, we'll test it again when we come back to the council member. Mr. Cunningham, out of context development, is it a problem in the neighborhood? If so, where, what would you do about it? It's a huge problem in the neighborhood. Um, Committee Board 17 and Committee Board 9 have both put together resolutions to have the down zoning. Committee Board 17's, I believe, has been in the waiting for seven or ten years now, um, the length of your term in office. So I urge you, Council Member, to continue to fight for that because right now they have asked for it and they have not received it. I do see where there's opportunities for development on some of the corridors, but on the residential corridors, we need to down zone those areas immediately. This cannot wait. This cannot be a negotiation with city planning, but we must do contextual zoning. On the block where I live, Lenox Road, we have 15 developments in the ground right now. And one of those developments are 15 stories high in front of my church. We need to get the R7 zoning under control immediately because it is taking neighborhoods out of context and it's forcing homeowners to sell because their property taxes are going up while these um, developers are getting 25-year tax subsidies to build quote-unquote affordable housing that people in our neighborhoods cannot afford. So that's something I'm committed to on day one. Thank you. Another, uh, we're going to start with you again, Mr. Cunningham here. Another issue that's been brought up several times in the district is small business survival. Uh, rents increasing too quickly on small businesses and them having to shutter their doors. What would you do to help small businesses survive in the district, Mr. Cunningham? Some of the things that we can do in terms of rent out of control. The challenge with the rent being out of control for small businesses is that landlords can charge as of right based on constitutionality what they deem necessary for the property. What we can do as a city, however, is begin to charge a vacancy tax on buildings that are being held. There are a number of businesses, 29% on Austin Avenue, 20, about 17% on Flatbush Avenue, that are completely vacant in 10 block radiuses, that we can implement a vacancy tax on those properties. The second thing we can do is we can create a tax incentive to small businesses that hire four or more employees. The second, the other part that we can do is create a universal healthcare system in New York City. Because when I talk to small business owners, we had a couple of round tables with small business owners. The three costs that drive down business is the rent, it's payroll tax, and it's healthcare costs. San Francisco has a model that has created universal healthcare for all people in San Francisco. New York City is a large city with an $86 billion budget, the fourth largest in the country. We can do the same here while providing tax credits to those small businesses and creating a vacancy tax on any landlord who's harboring apartments or small building vacancy spaces. Council members? The uh, 
housing crisis is a very complex one. And I do agree that we should create incentives for the landlord to, ex to, uh, to try to bring the rent down for the business owners. And in the city council, I have been talking, you know, with my colleagues to make sure that we bring technique or issues that, uh, you know, uh, we bring technique and we, we bring opportunity to help the small business uh, owners. Of course, in Flagbush area, many businesses that have been in the community for many years, they had to leave because they cannot afford to pay, you know, the rent. But this is not something that happened only in the district. It happened all over New York City. And again, let me say that. When we're talking about small business department, not only we got to help them, but we got to make sure that the city and the state intervene to help them overcome the difficulties that they are facing. Do you remember when we had the recession and when we had the desperation, the federal government come out they intervene, they bail out the big business the big businesses, the big companies, the car companies, the banks. I think that the federal government, the city and the state should work together to create a robust program to help the small business also. And just quickly, uh, please hold your applause. Uh, council member, can, can you point to one specific measure you've taken over the last several years as a council member to fight for small businesses to help create some of this change that you're, you're calling for? Uh, very good. I've been working with the Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Chamber of Commerce to help the small businesses. I've been working also with Kaki Kaiben Chamber of Commerce to help the small businesses. Let me tell you one of the things. There is the, what we call the Flagbush Keton Market. That market, many small business owners, the vendors, they have been there because they, don't, they cannot pay the rent in the Flagbush area. And I provided $3 million to this project in order to help the small business, in order for them to continue to have a place where they can continue to operate their business. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. So we're going we're gonna to start again with Mr. Cunningham here. City council members uh, get hundreds of thousands of dollars to allocate in member item funding to nonprofits and community causes and capital projects and such. How would you approach allocating that money and where do you see the biggest need for that type of money in the district right now? Thank you for the question, Ben. Um, what I propose that we do with the city council funding is there's a process called participatory budgeting that we um, got introduced to about two years ago in this council district. Participatory budgeting currently only does capital money and only $1 million of capital money. Every council member um, is allowed over the last four years at least under um, Speaker Melissa Mark Burrito has been given $5 million in capital dollars to spend in their district and only $1 million is allocated towards um, participatory budgeting. And then we get additional money for youth services, senior services, and community spending. What I propose we do is that we take the entire budget and have meetings with people in rooms just like this and propose how we spend those monies. Um, there's about $450,000 given to each member for youth and community spending and about $250,000 given for um, senior spending. What I'm saying is we map it out as a chart and we do it together. We make the whole budget participatory. And the reason why is because I know, and I think the councilman will agree, that we are not experts at everything and that the best voice to hear in terms of where we want our money spent 
since it's your money that we're redistributing back into our communities, is to ask you how you want to spend that money. So I'm looking for the community to give me their input on how we want to spend our please, money. Please hold your applause. Council Member, you have obviously been in office and been able to do this, so you describe what your process is for allocating these funds. What do you do right now? Yes, number one, talking about the participatory budget, I am also a member of the participatory budget system. I am part of the participatory budget system. And every year, this is the system that I use even before the existence of the participatory budget. Before I allocate the funding, to the school, to the institution, to the organization. I usually meet with everybody who are going to receive the funding to ask them, number one, what is your priority? And what are your needs, your, your budget needs? And based on what they said, based on their needs, that's you know, what guides me to allocate my funding. I always, I don't allocate the funding because I want to allocate the funding. I go to the school, to the hospital, to the organization. I want to make sure that I adjust, I give them the funding that they need to adjust the issues that they are facing. Because they are serving the community. They are doing a wonderful job. They know more than everybody. Their needs, their fiscal needs, their budget needs. That is exactly what I've been doing during the time that I've been in the city council. And I will continue to do that. Thank you. And uh, Council Member, a, a quick follow-up for you. It's brought to my attention that uh, annually you fund something that uh, you've called the, the Matthew Eugene Chess Challenge. And I'm wondering, is that, is that funded through city uh, member item money or capital money? Oh, uh, no, this is discretionary money. This is a wonderful, I'm glad that you mentioned that. You know, our young people, they are the future of this nation. Our young people, we have to invest in our young people. If you want to take, keep them in the positive uh, path. You see this very place where you are at? This is where I start mentoring and helping the young people in the community. If you go through that door, you will see the basketball equipment that I bought about 15 years ago to provide to the young people in the community the opportunity that they need to grow up and to become positive and proactive citizens. So I was surprised to give money to create this chess championship. So the, the money for the chess championship is through city government funds? Absolutely. Is there a reason it's, it's named in your name? I didn't give the name. I gave the funding. Are they name it after me? I don't know. The only thing that I did, because I see that they are doing a wonderful job. They are doing a wonderful job serving so many young people in the, in the city. They were in need of the money. They approached me, they said that they want funding to continue the program. I say, wonderful. Any organization that is serving the children in New York City, I'm very supportive to them. Because as I told you, the children, if we're talking about delinquency, we're talking about violence in the community. But in order to decrease that, we have to give the opportunity to the young people to Thank send you. the past group. Thank you. That's exactly what happened. So that was up to the organization? Up to the organization. Okay. I don't even know okay. why they put my name on it. So we'll start this round with you, council member. Uh, three local issues that have come up a lot, uh, quality of life, quote unquote, quality of life type issues are street noise and ongoing construction. And 
rat control. Uh, these are things that community board surveys have brought back as problems. Can you talk about your approach to things like this that are seen under that bucket of quality of life concerns? Listen, when you talk about rat, rat control, if you go everywhere in the city of New York, you're going to see rats. Is it unfortunate to see in the TV and the school everywhere that, that you're going to see rats? In my district, this is a question of quality of life. When there is an issue like that, I work together with the community board, with the city of New York, with my constituent also to address it. And in terms of no construction, I've been addressing so many of those cases, of those issues, to make sure that we can improve the quality of life. But the problem is, those constructors, they have a license, they have a permit. It is happening most of the time that we did civil attempt to stop the construction. But in terms of quality of life, that is exactly what I'm doing. I've been providing so many funding to organizations that improve the quality of life of the children, quality of life of the parents. I've been giving so many funding to the hospital, to medical clinics, to ensure that they provide to the people in the community the best quality of health care possible. And if you go to my district, you will see that I've been providing funding for the Parkside Playground. Parkside Playground is a beautiful park Thank that improves the quality of life. And also, Parkside That's time. Thank Plaza. You. Thank you. Mr. Mr. Cunningham, constant ongoing construction and street noise that comes with it and other factors, rack control, these types of quality of life issues, what would you do about mitigating these? Sure. First things first, um, council member, we are having a debate in the 40th district, so we want to address issues in the 40th, not all over the city. So your constituents are here, they're asking questions about their specific district. So let's stop talking about what's happening all over the city. We can care less about what's happening in the neighboring district. We want to know what's happening here. Um, second thing, council member, is in terms of construction projects, they are becoming an issue of our quality of life. They are becoming a public health crisis. When I walk down my block on Lenox Road, I am literally inhaling dust all day because of the amount of projects we have going on. Part of the rat problem is tied to the excavation of the land constantly. When I walk by the building on the corner of Lenox and Nosh, and you can come with me to that development site after this debate is over because I live on the same block, you will see literally rats that are running out from the excavation. So what we need to do is we need to put a slowdown on how many projects are in the ground in one community on one block at a time. We can work with the Department of Buildings, which is under our jurisdiction and our oversight through our budget process and through our legislative oversight to make sure that they no longer do so many projects at one time, creating so much dust, so much quality of life issues, and so many rat and rodent problems in our community. Thank you. Mr. Cunningham, we'll start again with you here on the topic of education and schools. What needs to be done in this district to improve the quality of schools? And uh, several people have noted that uh, the quality of the schools varies widely across the district, as is true in many places. How can the system across the district be better overall, and how can you work to integrate the district schools at the same time? One of the most surprising things, my wife and I, Stephanie, do not have children. One of the most surprising things we heard as we knocked doors at every, whether you're in Dittmas Park, Flatbush, or in Prosper Leopards Gardens, was we heard that people actually send their kids to schools outside of our district, particularly in Park Slope, because of the quality of education here in Community District 17 and 22. 
that was probably one of the most disturbing things outside the housing crisis that we heard when we knocked doors. One of the things we have to do is make sure that the funding given across all school districts are equitable. The city passes an $86 billion budget, which means money gets into the budget, but the role of a council member, as I mentioned, is to get money out of a budget into a community, especially where there are needs for in our schools, particularly our tier one schools. So one of the things that we propose throughout the entire campaign is one, to make sure that every single school, all 80 schools in our district, have after-school programs to help build on the curriculum of the day so that young people have an opportunity to get homework help, and not just some schools, all schools. Make sure our young people have homework help and extracurricular activities, in addition to introducing things into the curriculum that are modern, like STEM and STEAM, and making sure that art and music are part of our curriculum, and where they are not part of the curriculum in the schools, our after schools can help supplement some of the things that are missing from our day schools. But we have to do a better job in making sure that funding that we pass every year in the budget is distributed equally among all schools in the district, and the schools shouldn't need a 501c3 to do it. They and should get it because it's required. In, in about 10 more seconds, are there specific steps that you would advocate for integrating, uh, de you know, desegregating the district school? It is a tough question to answer in 10 questions because New York State and New York City has some of the most segregated schools in the entire country. That is going to be a long process. I think some of what we're seeing in terms of some of our new residents who are moving in the community are, are beginning to uh, mix the pot in terms of how many people are in communities. But that is a that is a, not a 10-second question. I'm sorry, Ben. I can't answer that in 10 seconds. Okay. Council member, uh, what, what needs to be done to improve the quality of schools across the district? And if you have ideas about how to integrate the district. Thank you very much, Ben. You know, he's talking about rhetoric and also empty promises. But let me tell you what I've been doing to improve the quality of education of our children. I've done that. If you go to Coney Island Avenue, you will see a brand new school that I advocated for to decrease the crowding system situation of the school in my district. Brand new school, state of the art. If you go to all my schools, talking about after school program, that's exactly what I've been doing even before I was elected. I created a non-for-profit organization, yes, Youth Education and Sports, to create after-school program for the children. And if you go to all my school, all the school in my district, don't believe in what I'm saying, go to see the teachers and also the principal. All my school in my district, I provide them with funding for after-school program. Not only education, academic education, but also after-school program. Art, science, music, dance, and everything that the young people deserve and need to become a well-rounded individual. I've been doing it, and in addition to that, what I've been doing that is very, very special. I went to meet with all the principals, and I want to make sure that all of them, they have extra curriculum activity in, the, in their school, and I was in the forefront of the fight to protect the after-school program about 43,000 slots when the after-school program was facing budget cut. And I fought against the administration to restore the funding for all the after-school programs, not only in my district, but in the city of New York. And, and, and do, you, do, you have, do you have any specific suggestion that you would make about desegregating schools in the district? Let me tell you something. 15 seconds. It is embarrassing to see that in New York City, we are talking about good school and bad school. All the schools in New York City should be good schools. We have the funding, we have the brand, we have dedicated teachers. Something is not working. 
We have to come together to ensure that all the school in New York City is good school. It doesn't mean saying that the parents, they are sending their children to school, they are worried about the safety of the children. Thank you. Council Member Eugene, we'll start with you again. Please hold your applause. Council Member Eugene, we'll start with you again. Two groups in particular that um, are often the member items that city council members get can be allocated towards youth and seniors. We've got a number of requests to ask the candidates what specifically, additionally, would you do for both youth and for seniors? Let me tell you, I say that the young people they are the future of this nation, the future of the New York City. We have to invest in the young people. We have to give them not only the academic instruction that they need, but we have to give them, them job opportunities. That's what I've been doing. Could you believe that? In the city of New York, DYCD used to receive 135,000 applications for summer job for the young people. Young people who are asking to do a positive thing. They want to do a job. A job gives them discipline, self-esteem, and get them ready for success. 135,000 applications, only 35,000 young people used to have a job. When I became the city council uh, chairman, the chairman of the Youth Services Committee, I worked together with my colleagues and we increased the number of jobs from 35,000 jobs to 79,000 jobs. In addition to that, what we should do for the, our young people, not only to give them jobs, but to give them career opportunities to create vocational school. And that's what I'm working. I start working on that already because not all the children, not all the youth will go to college. We need, we need to create institutions that will give the young people the opportunity to have a career. And that's what Thank you. we have at Erasmus High School. If you go, well, the young people, they can have a diploma when they get high school. They can work on technology. You. Thank you. We'll come back to you on seniors. We'll, we'll actually split it up, so we'll come back on seniors and give that another minute. First, uh, on opportunities for youth in the district. Sure. One of the things that I think the council member mentioned earlier was about the school created in the district recently. It would have been nice if we had a crosswalk at that school and some pedestrian safety for our young people, council member. Secondly, as you mentioned, youth unemployment, uh, or youth employment, I want to thank council member Jalissa Ferreras and council member Jamani Williams for leading that fight and for you for joining that fight that they led. Um, lastly, in terms of what we talked about in terms of our young people, we want to ensure that every school in this district has an after-school program, not some schools. Just like you said, we can't have good schools and bad schools. We can't have schools that we have beacon programs in and not have beacon programs. Every single school in this district needs an after-school program. But my last point as council member, despite the six-week or eight-week summer job that young people have, in the city of New York, 30% of the kids in the city of New York are unemployed. That is triple the national average in, in, in the nation. We need to do a better job of having co-op problems, co-op schools, and learning to work programs throughout the district with community school models where young people have opportunities to have jobs year-round, job training, and SAT prep. Let, let, let me, let me one, one thing on. He's talking about year-round. He's talking about Ferreras and Williams. But the year-round job was my initiative. I was referring to summer that job. That was my With Ferreras and Williams were referring wait, wait, wait. to okay. summer job. That was Every council member had the opportunity to introduce one initiative. My initiative was the year-round. And I went to the speaker and also to the, my colleagues and said, giving jobs to the young people during the summer is great, but we have to create jobs for them for year-round. 
Okay. As a matter of fact, yeah, I, I, uh, on Friday, I received an award for the Youth, youth Bill year on program because I, of my effort to make sure that we create year on job for the children. Okay, with respect, about with, respect, with respect to the safety measure in front of the school, I want to let you know that I've been working with the commissioner and I received a letter from the commissioner that has been approved. They will have a traffic light in front of that school. Okay. <laughs> moving on, moving on to discuss services for seniors in the district. If you want to highlight something you, you've done, obviously that, that you're right as a council member, you have your, your, your 10 years in the council to do that, but also please talk about next steps. Listen, I've been a strong advocate for seniors. If you go to all the senior centers in my district, they will tell you that I've been supporting them and giving them the resources that they need to serve their seniors. Because I stand on their shoulders. But what I will do also, the seniors, they are people who have very fragile health. I will make sure that we have doctors and medical professionals to provide them with medical services where they go to spend the day. Because our seniors, they are suffering from medical, many medical pathologies. And I will make sure also that we have psychologists to help them overcome the difficulties that they are facing. The seniors, they need, one of the most important things for the seniors now is the health. Because it doesn't matter how much money that you have. It doesn't matter how much power you believe you, you have. If you don't have health, nothing counts. I will make sure that inside the senior centers, we have doctors and nurses to provide the quality of care to the seniors. Mr. Cunningham, seniors. One of the things that I think we need to do for our seniors is actually create more senior housing. Currently right now, our affordable housing situation based on the AMIs or the CMIs do not reflect people on fixed income. And a lot of our seniors are disproportionately being evicted out of their homes because of the lack of affordable housing specifically for seniors. I would love to work with the state legislator to put those affordable housing units specifically for seniors near hospitals. And the reason why is because they're closer to their geriatric services and closer to emergency care if needed. So one of the things that I'm committed to doing if elected is creating more senior housing near hospitals so the seniors have easier access to health care. Lastly, making sure we have additional funding for senior centers in our district to make sure that seniors have access to those centers all day long with quality breakfast, lunches as well as activities and also computer training and certifications. One thing that was suggested uh, to me ahead of this debate uh, in terms of perhaps opportunities for both youth and seniors is the idea of a new community center in the district or at least one community center in the district. Is that something that you think is a need and something you would fight for over the next four years, council member? Yes. Uh, before I answer that, let me say that among the more than 800 affordable units that I work together with Allied to create, we have a lot of affordable units also for seniors. And in all the development in my district that I'm part of, I always make sure that they create affordable units for the seniors. In terms of new senior uh, youth centers, I already in process to create a new system that will allow me to have in my district a new 
center for the youth. And that new center will include not only sport, art, and also uh, uh, recreation, but we will have education. Remember I said that we need a vocational program for the children and for the young people. And that center in my district will provide academic activities, recreational activities, and also all the necessary activities that the young people need to grow up, to become well-rounded individuals, and to stay out of the problem. Thank you. Mr. Cunningham, I'm in community center. Um, so, just one modification. Um, I don't want units in buildings that are affordable for seniors. I want buildings for seniors that are affordable because the needs of seniors are very different than the needs of other people. So we need to make specific buildings for seniors, not just units in an arbitrary building. The second thing is to your question, Ben, in terms of a youth and senior center, I would love to see an intergenerational center built in this district that would have space for both seniors and young people. However, what I do know about our communities, we have over 80 schools in this district. And part of the after-school model is the, beacon pro is the beacon model, where we can open up the school building from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. for kids, seniors, and for families. Our buildings that we have are public spaces while we wait for a construction project, while we wait for space to build something on. Let's use the existing buildings we have, which are our public schools, and activate them after school for seniors and for children and for families, and hopefully at the end of four years, we can have an intergenerational center for both. Thank you. You, you're obviously both uh, male candidates for office. The city council is likely in the next term to have just about 12 of 51 seats held by women. What do you currently do, have you done, will you do to create opportunities to give women an entrance into politics or a leg up in further opportunity in politics and government? Listen, I, I believe that uh, women and men, they, are, they have the same opportunity, the same rights. When we talk about right, women and men, I think, you know, this is a discussion that uh, creates, you know, uh, a certain uh, 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 perception or idea that we have to, to, uh, to address. I think that all, regardless of the gender, should have the same opportunity. And I've been working with many of my colleagues to not only uh, support women who are working for public office, but also to prepare women to ensure that they are prepared to run for public office. We have an organization, Central Brooklyn Elected Official, and we have been working together to support many women who are planning to run for office. And I'm willing to help any woman who is trying to get into political you know, uh, position. But I, we, we can say that the women, they are very brilliant, they are very intelligent, and I think we have many wonderful leaders, they are women, and I think that they will do a wonderful job. As a matter of fact, as I said, Pierre Raymond is a wonderful, was a wonderful candidate, and I'm willing to collaborate with her in terms of, you know, empowering her. Thank you. And before we go to Mr. Cunningham, Mr. Uh, Councilman Eugene, can you just describe uh, your, your city council staff, what's the gender breakdown? 
Uh, I think that uh, my city council staff has more women than men. Before I had only few men. Now probably I may have, you know, half and half. But I used to have more women in my city council staff than men. Thank you. Mr. Cunningham, what have you done? What you promised to do? So, I think with the exception of two men, I only have two men on my staff, my campaign staff currently, to be very clear. So we have a staff of mostly women that drive the operation at Cunningham NYC. Um, in the Democratic primary, we were lucky um, to be endorsed um, by Planned Parenthood, Vote Pro Choice, and a number of women activist groups as well. Uh, we've always been committed um, because I'm a husband, I'm a son, I'm a brother, I'm committed to women's issues, and throughout our campaign, we have always pushed forward on making sure that in my staff patterns that we have more women at the senior level driving the conversation. That's important to me, and I'm going to continue to as a council member and make sure that even in our community board appointments that we have, that I make sure that we have an uptick in the entry level for women to get into politics. That's a great place to start. Thank you. So we are... We have about 20 minutes left here with the candidates. Um, we're going to have closing statements at the end, but we have time for a few more questions. The first thing I'm going to do, though, if you can both have your microphones ready, we're going to go just some quick sort of yes or no or one word answers uh, to sort of break up the event a little bit into a little bit of a quicker lightning round type of, of situation here. So we'll go Mr. Cunningham first here. Um, what grade would you give Mayor de Blasio for his first term, letter grade? C. Council member? <laughs> Gotta give him a. Light, lightning round, quickly. You know, Magic Guys have been doing it. You know, we agree on certain things, we don't agree on other things. A, a, let, a letter grade? I'm sorry? A letter grade for the mayor? I would give him a B. B. Okay. Who do you plan to vote for for mayor on Tuesday if you're open to sharing that? Mr. Cunningham? Mayor de Blasio. Council member? Of course, Matthew Blasio. On the back of your ballots, uh, there will be three ballot questions. Uh, for those who don't know, you should definitely uh, look into that. There will be three yes or no questions on the back of your ballot. If you're here tonight, you might already be familiar with that. But the first one is the only one that's really controversial. It's about yes or no. Do you favor holding a con state constitutional convention? Uh, do you recommend a yes or a no, Mr. Cunningham? No. Mr. Eaton, no. There's a, a good bit of talk about introducing a congestion pricing program. The governor is expected to announce some sort of program in January. Uh, the mayor has said he's against any plan he's seen so far. Congestion pricing would likely institute tolls on the East River bridges, but reduce tolls elsewhere and, and a few other measures. Uh, will you be in favor of some kind of congestion pricing plan or against? We'll start with you, council member. Against four. The city, uh, we'll start with you again, Councilmember Eugene. This, uh, the city has put into motion the beginnings of, a, of an outline of a plan to co close the Rikers Island jail complex and open up uh, larger, either expand or open new borough facilities. Uh, are you in support of that general idea or against, Councilmember? President Duarcas, I support. Mr. Cunningham? That's a two-part question. Closing Rikers, yes. On putting it in neighborhoods, no. There, we can talk further about that later on. Well, you, go ahead. Take 10 more seconds to explain. Uh, yeah. 
No, I said it was two questions. You, 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 okay. you took long on the first one, Counselor. That's, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. So right. yes, close like this. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yes and no. I'm yes. sorry. Thank you. Let me fair. Thank you, Council Member, for keeping me to my own uh, rule. Okay. Uh, in the district, what is the favorite restaurant in the 40th Council District? Council Member Eugene. Venice Restaurant. Venice Restaurant. Okay. The Farm and Adelaide. Farm and Adelaide. Okay. What is, uh, and we'll, we'll start with Mr. Cunningham here, what is, other than a restaurant, what is a favorite spot, open space, park, location that you like to visit in the district? What's, what's one of your favorite spots to uh, either be at on a nice day or walk around? That's a tough one. Uh, MS2. Okay. Council member? A favorite open space, park, place you'd like to visit in the district? Uh, Parkside, Parkside Plaza. Okay. And <laughs> just a few more on the, on the quick answers here. Uh, what's one location in the district that really needs something, sort of a simple improvement, either to be cleaned up or a traffic light or a stop sign or a, uh, I know this came up earlier that there's a, a crosswalk needed or a stop line perhaps or some, somewhere else. What's one spot in the district that you think really needs just sort of a simple fix? Uh, Mr. Cunningham? I'm gonna go with the crosswalk at the school. Okay, council member? Intersection of Ocean Avenue and Backside. Last, last couple here, uh, and, and a couple of these, uh, because you obviously are the incumbent here, you have a voting record, uh, Mr. Cunningham hasn't been to council, doesn't have the same voting record, but these relate to Councilmember Eugene's voting record. You uh, voted against the um, plastic bag fee, the five cent plastic bag fee, is that a vote that you would make again and you feel uh, comfortable having, having made? Yes, there's a tax for the hardworking people. Mr. Cunningham, is that something, if you were in the council, would you vote in favor of instituting a plastic bag? I would vote for the fee. You would vote for the fee. And, and uh, council member, I think uh, multiple groups sent me a uh, question. You, you voted against a piece of council legislation relating to, um, to sort of simply put it, uh, anti-abortion clinics, to, to not crack down on those, on those clinics. Can you clarify your stance on uh, women's choice and reproductive uh, freedom? Let me, let me tell you, being a doctor, I've been delivering so many children, so many babies, and I saw the love of the parents. Some of the cases where the women, they, are, they were suffering. When you tell them your life is in danger, you can lose your life and your baby also, they always up to have a baby. And in many cases also, pregnant women, they say, no, I cannot have the baby. I have to do abortion. I don't think that I got the authority to say to the woman what they have to do with their body and their children. I think this is up to the woman to choose. And I don't believe that I got the responsibility, the moral responsibility and the authority to say to the woman what they have to do, what decision they have to take for the children. And for something that will affect your life all the life, 
I think that we should leave to the woman the opportunity to choose. Thank you. Mr. Cunningham? A woman, a woman always has the right to choose what to do with her body. Thank you. Multiple... A woman always has the right to choose to do what she wants with her body. And, and, and lastly, in our little bit of a, of a quicker round here, uh, count, uh, Community Board 9 is said to be in disarray, dysfunction. Uh, is there something that you could do to restore uh, some order in Community Board 9? What needs to be done there? We'll start with um, Council Member Eugene. It has been a very difficult period for Community Board 9. I think we had several meetings among elected officials to try to fix the situation. I've been a member of Community Board putting for about a decade, 10 years. And this is a great Community Board. And I think that Community Board, they are doing a wonderful job serving the community. They are the liaison between the government and the people in the community. I believe that the uh, Elected, we elected officials, we have to come together to fix the problem in the community board. It is unfortunate that some of the time, the community board couldn't even function because of these thousands. This is a very important issue. Many elected officials who have been working on that, who have been thinking about bringing the strategy to fix it. But it is really unfortunate. It is not a one-sided issue. I think the elected officials, together with the members, and the people in the community, they have to find a positive solution to resolve the community body issue. Thank you. Mr. Cunningham? We need to make sure that every person joining the community board has the adequate training to know what their responsibilities are on that community board. Um, and the second thing we need to do with that community board, since it's so dysfunctional, is every member that's appointed by my office will be reappointed, retrained, before they get an appointment back in that community board to make sure we get it back, the house back in order. Thank you. So, uh, Councilmember Eugene has referenced that he chairs the Youth Services Committee in the City Council. There's uh, somewhere around 40 issue committees. Uh, I'm wondering for each of you in the next council, what are two or three issue committees that you would want to sit on and what's one that you would want to chair? We're gonna, we're gonna, we'll start this time with Mr. Cunningham. Housing, youth services, and um, health. And you would, you would want to chair health? I would want to chair youth services. Youth services, okay. I would say health, youth services, and also fire criminal justice and immigration. But I do want to chair health committee because health is the most precious gift that we receive from God. All of you here, if you were not healthy, you couldn't be here, even including you who work hard to make this possible. I think government has the moral obligation to, to provide the best quality health care to our constituents for many reasons. They're working hard. They are paying the taxes that we need to provide services and also they are sustaining their families. If we don't provide them the best quality of healthcare possible, they won't be able to work, to maintain their families, and to contribute to this great city of New York. That's the reason why I've been providing funding and resources to King's County Hospital, Townsend Medical Center, Mamonides Medical Center, and King's Book Hospital, for them to buy state-of-the-age life-saving equipment 
for them to provide the best, if possible, to my constituents. And I will continue to do that. Thank you. So, we're in our last couple questions, and then we'll move to closing statements, but last couple questions. On um, policing and criminal justice reform, where does the city need to head next? Has the city eased up too much in certain ways under Mayor de Blasio and, and this current city council, or are there further reform efforts that need to be made? Council member? Out, uh, uh, can you reformulate the question for me? Policing and criminal justice reform. Mm -hmm. what, when, what Has the city gone too far in reforming and scaling back some of the uh, policing methods that were used under the previous administration, or are there further reforms that need to be made? When you talk about the criminal justice, we are talking about human beings. We in the city council, we have been taking measures to ensure that we protect the right of the people. But talking about the criminal justice, it is not only an issue of police department. It is an issue of all of us citizens, members of this community. We are a society. We cannot go only by legislation. We have to invest in human beings to make sure every citizen understands their responsibility to the society. I was informed there's a shooting right now, I think in Texas. Working together with police department, the community, this is one of the, sol the ways, I believe, that we can have a better criminal justice in New York City. Especially, they have to get no way to train the police officers. They have to bring new philosophy and no concept of being a police officer. And we have to work together as a society to make sure we get the best formula to improve our criminal justice in New York City. It is not one institutional issue. It is not one person issue. It is the, a community issue. It is a society issue. Thank you. Mr. Cunningham. Do you want to repeat the question? No, I remember the question. I'll wait for the yes. applause to see. Yes. Um, as we sit here tonight, there are thousands and thousands of young men and young women locked up on Rikers Island because a quarter of them are mentally ill and need mental health services. A quarter were too poor to make um, bail. We need to end our broken windows policing. I said that before and I'll say it again. There are too many petty crimes that people are being incarcerated for. If a young man jumps a turnstile or a young woman jumps a turnstile for 275 and gets a ticket they cannot afford to pay because they couldn't afford to pay 225, they end up with a summons and arrest. That is not a criminal justice that makes us safer by any stretch of the imagination. So I double down on my point that the criminal justice system is not working. There are still penal laws that we need to work on that will make people whole and will give people opportunities. There are so many bright minds today locked up behind bars because they had a lack of opportunity, a lack of resources to make bail, or got locked up for something stupid that they shouldn't have been doing, but certainly wasn't a criminal offense. So I think we can close Rikers in less than 10 years by just eliminating people who are locked up because they're mentally ill or too poor to make bail. We could do that as soon as possible. Thank you. Can I you have, you have one thing to add on that? Well, uh, the, uh, the mention about... I want, I want to mention that, you know, we are the city council member. We have been voting many laws to, to address these issues. And I'm co-sponsor in many of them. We have been doing that. And I'm co-sponsor of many of them. 
Thank you. Okay. I think we've, I think this has been uh, a fairly enlightening evening. We're going to move to closing statements. Uh, thank you all for being here. To the sponsoring groups, um, if we didn't get to every question you sent in, I apologize. You can hold, hold me accountable for that, but I think we got to a lot of them. Uh, and uh, hopefully you can pursue answers to anything else with the campaigns of the candidates who are here. So, uh, Mr. Cunningham, you spoke first at the beginning of the night, so we're going to start closing statements with uh, Councilmember Eugene. Uh, one minute closing statement, and then we'll have Mr. Cunningham give the last word. Thank you very much. Listen, the reality is I have been working hard in the community, making a difference in the quality of life of people. I have improved the quality of life of my constituents. I have worked to better the, the district. I have the experience. And I know I could have been done. My life in the city council is a long, 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 you know, powerful track record of service and accomplishment in the community. I have created opportunities for young people. And that was historic, unprecedented in New York City to create 79,000 jobs for the young people. And I have created over 800 truly affordable units in my district. This is a remarkable also. And if you go to the hospital and to all the hospitals in my district, I've been providing funding for them to improve the quality of life and also to save life. This is the responsibility of government. We are talking about legislation, we are talking about everything, but we have to make sure that the people in New York City, they are healthy. That's what I've been doing. And with respect to the young people, I've been providing to the school a lot of resources for them not only to provide academic uh, uh, instruction, knowledge to the children, but also to make sure they provide everything that the young people need to become successful in their life. I have the experience, I have the knowledge, I know how to work together. And my opponent, my opponent, my opponent, has no experience. He couldn't even stay in one job. Thank you, thank you. He couldn't even, he thank was walking with time. a senator, he was terminated. He you. was walking with a two thank of my colleagues, he was terminated. Thank you. Okay. We're gonna, we're gonna move to Mr. Cunningham for your closing statement. Thank you, Ben, thank you, Amy, thank you, um, everyone for being here tonight. Tonight we heard the council accused me of rhetoric and empty promises. Yet he has served for 10 years and we are still waiting for results. He has accused me. Hold your applause. accused me. He's accused me of being a flip-flopper. Yet he couldn't decide whether or not he should run for a third term or not, council member. You flip-flopped on that when you voted against a third term. This Tuesday, however, we won't flip-flop. The 60% of Democrats who voted against you in the primary will do it again. And we're going to bring some independence with us this time. And I promise you this Tuesday that starting Wednesday morning, we are going to have change in this district in a way that we haven't seen it in a very long time. We're going to have after schools in our schools for our young people. We're going to have services for our seniors. And we are going to make sure that affordable housing truly becomes affordable in this district. We're going to protect small business. We're going to make sure the rights of young people are not violated by the criminal justice system. And we are going to make sure that your voices are heard in City Hall for the first time in 10 years. We're going to do it together, District 40. 
I believe in you, and I'm telling you on Tuesday, November 7th, to vote on the Reform Party for a candidate who wants to change this district with our voices heard. Let's do it together. Thank you. Thank you to the candidate. Wayne, are you speaking? Wayne. Thank you. For, thank you for your enthusiasm and for waiting till the end for that at least. Um, thank you to the League of Women Voters for hosting this debate as well as many partners. And I'm just gonna, I'm just, if you just give us one more moment, I'm gonna turn it over to Dwayne. Thank you again to Amy and to the League of Women Voters. Dwayne has our final word. Hello everyone. Uh, can, I have, can I just have quiet for a second please? Can I just have... Hello? Ladies and gentlemen. attention for a second please thank you thank you very much for your enthusiasm everybody if we can just have a few if I could have a minute of your time to do a little bit of housekeeping I would appreciate it thank you thank you so hello hello Dennis sir in the back sir Everyone, settle down, settle down, settle down. Listen, listen, pay some respect to the moderators, please. Let's be adults here. Let's pay respect to the moderators who hosted tonight's debate. We had a great debate. Let's have some respect for the moderators. Respect for the process. You want to be excited? Vote on Tuesday. That's it. But respect the moderators. Respect the moderators. Ladies and gentlemen, excuse me, excuse me, sir. Sir? Ladies and gentlemen, I do not, I am not a shouter, but I'm... Hello? I am not a shouter, but I'm, I'm being forced to shout. Can I have your respect for one moment, please? All right. Ladies can and we, gentlemen. Can we stay quiet? Everybody calm everyone down, Everyone calm down. I'd like to make a few announcements. Calm down. Make some thank yous. All right, uh, so again... We'd like to thank uh, Father Hamlin for the, the, the use of the space tonight. Uh, in, thank you. In doing that, we're also at the, at the back. We have a few tubs for donations. If you'd like to give all the money donated tonight, will be given to the church uh, to help them to continue to support the community in any way they can. Uh, we'd like to thank Ben, ben Max of Gotham. We'll do that again.
And we'd like uh, especially to thank the League of Women Voters and Amy Matthews. And, and very importantly, we, we do want to really thank Dr. Eugene and Mr. Cunningham for coming out and speaking because they are going to be representing our district, one of them, at the end of the day on Tuesday. So just in, in, in the spirit of fairness, this, this debate happened because a lot of neighbors wanted this to happen, a lot of community organizations wanted to happen. So I wanted to take a moment to just Excuse me, can I say something? Is it fair for a supporter of Brown to be the moderator? I'm not a moderator. I, I, if I, somebody is distributing flyers, supporting Brown, you shouldn't be doing that. Doing that. Doctor, is that not fair? Doctor, it's not fair. It's not fair. I'm not, it's not fair. I'm not moderating. You have been supporting Brown. It's not, not, not fair. This is not fair. This is not fair. If a supporter of Brown walking in the Brown country, this is not fair. Excuse me. Uh, we'd like to thank. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm asking you to maintain some order. And ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm asking you to maintain some order. Ladies and gentlemen, let's be civil and maintain some order here. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm asking you to be civil and maintain some order here. Ladies and gentlemen, again, I'm asking you to be civil and maintain some order. Ladies and gentlemen, so if, if again, again, uh, hello, for those of you that are still here, I would still like to acknowledge the organization that work to help put this together. Despite what anyone thinks, I'm not a moderator tonight. So if, if you'll bear with me, for those of you that are still here and still willing to be civil, uh, we'd like to thank the Brooklyn-wide Interagency Council for Aging, Chester Court Block Association, the Lenox Road Block Alliance. Just, just hold your applause, hold your applause. We've had a lot of disruption tonight and I want to make sure you you, you know who these organizations are. Uh, the Parkside Block Alliance, the Block Association, my apologies, I'm reading the wrong line there. The Prospect Leffer Gardens Neighborhood Association, Design for Agency, Ditmas Civic, uh, Live Here, Learn Here, Friends of District 17, uh, New York State Senate District 17 for Progress, and the Caton Park Homeowners Association. So these are the, the, the neighborhood organizations, the local organizations, that got together with their membership and insisted on, can I just hold your applause for me? And insisted on making sure this debate happened. So we'd like to thank them more than anyone else and yourselves for wanting this to happen. And despite the disruption and the, the, the uncivil moment there, I hope and I encourage you all, be engaged in your community civically. Get up, get out, go vote. And when you're done with that, Go to your community board and get engaged. Find one of these organizations and support them. This is our community. We have to hold any elected official. So whether it's Brian Cunningham, Brian Kelly, 
or Matthew Jean, whoever's elected on Tuesday, we have to hold them accountable. Flatbush belongs to us. With that, I'm putting down my microphone, and I'm going back to being a regular person. And before that ends, thank you to Virginia, Callista, Cheryl, Brenda, all the folks that helped volunteer to put this together, help us set up today. We really, really appreciate it. You guys are the best. I am losing my voice now because I'm not a yeller, um, but I guess I've become one. Legacy of 1804, that was the um, Matthew Eugene-Brian Cunningham debate, which took place last Sunday, November 5th, last Sunday, November 5th, um, right here in the 40th Council District, and uh, I'm going to open lines in a moment, but um, I guess what was interesting about the debate was, um, well, first of all, the, the room dynamics, the fight in the end, there was a very vocal uh, group of uh, Matthew Gene supporters who got very rambunctious in the end. And unfortunately, they got rambunctious uh, under the notion that, you know, they are more loyal Democrats than Cunningham supporters. And I mean, let's be real, that's just the lamest way to... Um, you know, distinguish yourself, you know, is that, well, you know, we're really good Democrats, you know, the Democratic Party, and especially the Democratic Party machine in Brooklyn, uh, you know, is nothing to call home about. Um, anyway, caller 813, I'm going to open your line. I, that, I'm, I suspect that's our friend Ujilal from Florida. And um, welcome. Uh, hi, how are you doing, Alice? Um, good evening, listeners of uh, Legacy of 1804. Uh, it's been uh, very interesting um, listening to this debate uh, um, again and again, watching it originally <laughs> from 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 uh, you know from a distance and listening to it again. It's uh, um, honestly it's quite riveting when you think about it. And um, am I looking at this uh, uh, um, because uh, from uh, too far away? I I was a bit shocked based on the last be- uh, debate to learn that uh, Eugene had actually. One, can um, could you please explain this to our listeners as to what exactly um you think happened? Yeah, so I'm pulling up an article here um that came out uh and I'm gonna read it. That's gonna answer some of the questions. It's titled "Mathieu Eugène illegally campaigns at polls." Witnesses say that article came out November seventh which was, I believe, the actual date of the election. Was that Tuesday? Yeah, that was Tuesday. Um, So I'm going to read it, and that's going to give you an idea. Uh, City Councilman Mathieu Jean was seen campaigning at polling places across his district, which includes Dismas Park, Flatbush, and Prospect Lefferts Gardens. On Tuesday, in violation of state election law, his opponent's campaign and witnesses said, Brian Cunningham, a Democrat running on the Reform Party line, 
to unseat the longtime incumbent Eugène, also took to Facebook to charge that there have been a number of complaints throughout the district about poll workers telling people how to vote in this election. And voters told Patch that they saw people distributing campaign material very close to at least two polling places in the district. New York's Board of Elections states that electioneering is not allowed within 100 feet of a polling place. Susan Lerner, the executive director of Common Cause New York, issued a statement condemning Eugene's actions. This represents an egregious and ongoing disrespect for our democracy by council member Eugene Lerner said. The board should be less concerned with impartial interpreters helping voters and focus instead on evidence of alleged egregious violations of the ban on electioneering by a council member running for re-election. Eugene won re-election Tuesday night, according to the New York Times. Adam Ullian, who works on the Eugene campaign, told Patch that Eugene was at the polls because he had been told that Cunningham was at the polls earlier in the day. Ullian said Eugene wanted to make sure the poll workers and election officers knew that wasn't allowed. That was his intent, not because he wanted to break campaign rules, Ullian said. The intent was to let them know that, hey, he's not supposed to be there. Candice Fortin, a Cunningham campaign worker, said that both Cunningham and Eugene were standing 100 feet away from PS249 in Ditmas Park, speaking with voters before they went to the polls for several hours on Tuesday morning. But when Cunningham left, that's when she said she saw Eugene go inside and speak with both poll workers and voters. Accounts have been documented by voters, poll watchers, volunteers, and staff of Eugene's election day tour of voter suppression, uh, electioneering, and intimidation at several polling sites through, throughout the district, Candice Fortin, who works on a Cunningham campaign, wrote in an earlier email. Gideon Hess, a poll watcher for the Cunningham campaign, was also stationed at PS249. He told Patch that he saw Eugene walk into the school gymnasium where voting was taking place and shake hands with five to ten people inside. Hess said Eugene told him he was there to vote, but the councilman never picked up a ballot or cast a vote, according to Hess. He went into the voting room, the gym, and he shook some hands, Hess told Patch. He had a conversation with his poll watcher, and then he left. He didn't pick up a ballot or do any voting. He was just there to greet people and talk to his staff. Samara Smith voted at PS92 in Prospect, Prospect Lefferts Gardens. She said that as she was walking up a ramp to get to the polling place to cast her ballot, there were kids handing out small flyers promoting Eugene. There were two kids, I guess age 10, handing out postcards for Mathieu Jeanne, Smith told Patch, and there were a bunch on the ground on the ramp. She said she alerted a poll worker who got a police officer to remove the flyers. Andrew Car uh, Andrea Karshan uh, was a PS191 uh, was at PS191 in Prophet Lefferts Gardens and said she saw a man leaving the polling place carrying a large pro Eugene sign. He was exiting the voting area. She said he was holding a sign that said "Vote for the Eugene guy." Other voters described seeing a van drive slowly past polling places, blaring campaign advertisements for Eugene. Um, so anyway, that gives you a little bit of color, hopefully, Ug. <laughs> As to the backdrop. Wow. <laughs> As to the wow. backdrop of this victory, and uh, yes, I I have it on good authority that the Cunningham campaign plans to, uh, you know, take legal action um, based on, um, 
Well, I don't know if they will challenge the results. That I don't know, but certainly complain about the electioneering. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll even try to bring them on to talk about it themselves. I don't um, kind of want to quote it, quote them. But, uh, you know, they mm -hmm. do plan. I don't think they're going to challenge the result. Um, I don't think so. I, there are people who do believe that these are these, these irregularities are enough to invalidate the results, but um, I don't think that that's the intent of the campaign. I, I have a feeling they want to move on, but we'll, we'll find out um, soon enough. But anyway, that is just to kind of give you an idea what we're dealing with here. Um, okay. I just want to say, since I was in the, in the room, um, you know, it's one thing to follow something from afar. And then obviously I'm not a resident of that, the 40th uh, council district. I'm in the 35th. And of course, we're, we're all in Brooklyn and uh, we were all, b b you know, pretty much in the same area of Brooklyn. But um, being in the district to see the debate, I got to understand certain dynamics. I got to understand because, you know, at the end of the day, I think uh, I think Cunningham, um, I think he, he won. I think, well, let's see what the final results are. But last I checked, it was... Um, Last I checked, Cunningham had gotten over 30% of the vote. That's not bad at all. Um, mm -hmm. Most of the Democrats, Democratic incumbents who got reelected, got reelected with like 70% of the vote. Eugene, um, I believe, ended up with less than 70% of the vote. Um, so it's uh, Cunningham did pretty well, I think. Uh, and he, th that is because when I was in the room, certain dynamics were very obvious to me. So it's if you if you just go by noise, it it may appear on the audio that um, uh, Matthew Eugene supporters were more numerous in the room, but that's actually not the case. They were a minority, but they were very vocal, and you know, and they came pumped up and kind of ready to 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 do their job. Being in the room, I realized, and actually Brian Cunningham told this said this to us on the show that it what it's not just the old time residents i and read by that the you know the 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 long time west indian uh including haitian residents in the district who are uh dissatisfied with eugene it's actually you know that area as most of brooklyn is undergoing a lot of gentrification uh mm -hmm. it's actually a lot of the newer residents and as Ken Cunningham did say this to us, a lot of the newer residents also do not like Eugene. And uh, from the debate, you can tell that it, it centers around things like, now it centers around, around things like, um, you know, the fact that basically they don't find him accessible. He's not, he's, he's not accessible that, that you know, the, he doesn't have a lot of office hours and um, they just, he's, he's just not, you know, from their perspective, I could tell that, you know, if, now, of course, that excludes the real estate developers who, who, who give Eugene's campaign money. But from the perspective of, like, the newer, younger um, residents, you could tell that they, they, they feel they would get much more customer service from, from, from Brian, who's younger, who's probably, I mean, I don't know for sure, but, you know, Brian's probably Ivy League educated, um, although that, that, you know, 
um, that dynamic is there too. Um, there, there's just a difference in customer service that they're just not getting from Eugene. So that's that's a dynamic that that became obvious to me when I walked into that room, uh, and that room was predominantly white, actually. And this is in a district where where the gentrification is not over. You know, if you if you come to Fort Greene, Clinton Hill, where I live, the gentrification is over. I mean, you know, there's it, it's over. Um, you know, and um, and I even peeped the uh, Jabari Jabari Brisport, who was the green challenger in in my neighborhood. Uh, every time I, I unfortunately never got to. I followed the 40th Council District more because this show deals more with Haitian issues. Uh, so I never, unfortunately, got to make it to Jabari campaign to Jabari Brisport's campaign, but all of his volunteers are white. Like in my, my like my neighborhood, the gentrification is over. But over there, that's not the case. But the majority of the people in the room were were I mean, way over fifty percent of the people in the room were white. So, um, and and they were clearly not for Eugene. Okay, so this is all to say that um, that's another part of the dynamic. Um, in that district. And basically, I mean, I, I think the third term is the last term. So um, when Eugene's term, um, when Eugene's term ends, um, probably, I mean, if Brian runs again, by the way, it could have been what Brian was doing. He was just putting his name out there this time to secure his elect, his, his victory next time. You see what I mean? So if he's running next time uh, against uh, unknowns, uh, he's going to have a name recognition advantage, and he'll probably take the seat. You know, and to the degree there that um, you know, there are young Haitian Americans in the district who want to uh, who want to um, succeed to Eugene, then you know that's still possible. Okay. Which raises um, two questions for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as, as someone uh, who, who was there, um, one, what did uh, uh, the polling stations look like? Who who turned out? Um, and also, well, I, I I wasn't there for the voting, obviously. I voted in my district, but I'm talking about in terms of doing anything, you know, in terms of attending the debate, I was over there, but I did not go to the 40th oh, okay. on, on, on election day. Okay, on election okay, okay. day, I, I was in my district voting uh, because there's only so many hours you have to vote before you get to work. So I didn't go there, but Sorry. there's tons of pictures online. Yeah, I mean, I'm of, sure it's possible. Uh, well, apparently the the turnout was really low. <laughs> In all these, which and and low turnout usually uh, benefits incumbents. So, so Absolutely. unfortunately, th this 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 new wave of challengers of the Democratic Party establishment, unfortunately, that, that you know that doesn't you know it's not a presidential election. It's not Obama being elected. You know what I mean? It didn't. You know, we know that one of the things that um, benefited Obama in two thousand eight. Uh, was, you know, record, whenever you're challenging, you have to have a lot of people come out and vote. And that's possible when you have these huge, you know, billion dollar campaigns, you can actually, as a, as a Democratic Party, you can actually make sure that all your people come out and vote, and that more people and new voters come out and vote. But in a city council election, you know, 
I mean, the budgets just aren't there to really, really get people out to vote. Um, so okay. in my district, the same, you know, Jabari Brisport lost, but he, uh, I think I looked at the numbers. He's, he still got a good, he was, he was, I was shocked at how uh, visible his campaign was. His, his posters are all over the neighborhood. Can't miss them on my, on my street on Myrtle. His posters are everywhere. They still are. They haven't been taken down, which is kind of fascinating that someone, uh, people from his campaign took it upon themselves and actually got the local businesses to put a Green Party candidate uh, who's also a socialist on their businesses, which is kind of fascinating. Um, uh, and uh, so, um, but that does not translate in, in, in these local races, that does not trans translate it into record turnout. It doesn't mean that that cannot be achieved in the future. I mean, to me, those two races are very promising. I think, I think you don't see Democratic incumbents get challenged. I mean, it just doesn't happen. Um, you know, once they're in office, they stay there. And from within the Democratic Party, it's bad manners, as you saw. You saw Eugene. That I, in fact, by the way, did you notice what happened in the debate? Is that Eugene the whole time just kept saying every time he was challenged on something, he said, well, I've already been doing that. I've already been doing that. You know, he was like, no, no, no. We've already been right. doing everything that Cunningham wants to do, which, of course, is not true. That's but correct. the only the only thing that his only argument that was original was uh, Eugene is not Democratic. Why is he not Democratic? Because he challenged a Democrat. <laughs> Because what happened is Gene had challenged him in the Democratic primary and then went out and decided to challenge him again in the general. Um, uh -huh. uh, sorry, uh, Cunningham, Cunningham, you know, and, and those two things, one, to, to, to challenge from within, number one, and then to go challenge from without, those things are unheard of. They're, 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 they're considered bad manners among Democrats. And Cunningham okay. is a Democrat. Cunningham is a Democrat, you know, yeah. In, term, in terms of strategy, um, Cunningham's campaign looked brilliant, but clearly there was a weak link there. What do you think he could have or should have done a, a little differently going forward, something that he should do differently going forward should he run for office again, which we hope? Well, I mean, you and I, we've already identified a, a, a weakness with Haitian outreach. Um, mm -hmm. what do you now, mean? we don't. Well, a, a weakness was certainly a visibility in the Haitian media, right? For Cunningham, there, there, there appeared yes. to be no, no outreach to the Haitian media. There didn't appear to be, uh, and, and probably, by the way, because uh, it, it probably was a decision. There's probably a reason for this, and there's probably okay. not that much of a budget, and they probably decided to focus on other things. For example, they got so many endorsements from unions, from Planned Parenthood. Like, it looks like his campaign really focused on getting endorsements, and um, it did not look like uh, Haitian outreach was a priority. And that's probably a weakness. Well, that's only a weakness, though, if you I, know I the fact that Haitians actually come out to vote in that district, which we don't know, to well, be honest. I, I, I did ask him ask him the question, and, and he couldn't get specific on the demographics because I. I'm thinking that two things might have happened, that he underestimated the, 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 the Haitian American demographics across all ages and uh, not trying to split the Haitian American vote 
was a mistake. But because he underestimated, he probably just left it off. He figured, well, Eugene will get that anyway, so let me see if I can pull everyone else. Yeah, I'm, it I'm sounds like there's something there. Yes, that's what it sounds like happened. I, I, it sounds like they were like, okay, that's a given. We're not even going to touch that. We're going to focus. You know, kind of like when um, when Bernie Sanders was running against Hillary, remember, he, he basically didn't do anything in the South. He was like, okay, like, because, you know, you have to prioritize when you're in campaigns. And he was like, okay. Hillary right. just has a South. So he didn't challenge her in the South at all. And he, I think he focused on other parts of the country, like the Midwest. So that's, I think, what happened here. Uh, I, I think what happened mm -hmm. here is Cunningham was like, yeah, okay, just let's leave him the Haitians. That's just like, you know, we don't have the resources to focus on that. There are, there are other places where, where, where we can get more points. You know, and obviously, okay, yeah, um, it would be nice to have, to have him, you know, tell us this maybe in the future, uh, explain yeah. these dynamics to us because you know city council races obviously don't get the coverage that national races get, and so it, it's it's you know there may be I mean I don't know that I don't know that I understand all the factors involved. You see what I mean in making such a decision? Very well, very well. I I, I hope somebody preaches that. I hope somebody from from um. I hope people from both camps hear about uh, our discussion and, and, and find it um, worthwhile to reach out and explain a, a bit more to our listeners. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the other thing is that we, we may underestimate or it's very possible that Cunningham did this campaign to put his name out there for, for next election. You know, like he, he, he got us to notice and he did. He did get us to notice. You know, he got us to notice. Um, he made a lot of noise. He challenged in the primary. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. The, so the city council terms, I, I forget how long they are. I'm assuming they're five years each now. I don't know if this kind of thing, because because uh, Eugene has been in the council 10 years and I think there's a there's a three term limit. So I'm assuming they're five years. Um, so right. I don't know that this type of thing carries over to, 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 to five years from now, to be honest, but, uh, well, I'm wondering well, if that's, that's not also thing. part of the strategy that he would give, give himself a lead for, for, for the next election, which is going to be open and where Eugene cannot run again. Well, um, you know, as we know, voters tend to be forgetful. They, they, they tend to forget pretty fast. So I, I'm curious to 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 yeah five years wonder. is a long time. I'm curious to yeah. yeah yeah how does he uh, keep his name? How does he stay in the news? How does he keep his name and and and, and ideas alive uh, in in in, in, uh, in his supporters' minds first of all and reaching uh, across to those who will be available once Eugene leaves uh, office. Um, so hopefully these are all questions that uh, all, all, both camps are thinking about, and, and I think it would behoove them to, um, you know, to come back and, and discuss these things and, and, and think of them as uh, um, issues for them to keep alive over uh, over and until the next cycle. It should be interesting to see what to see uh, um, how he intends to do that. Um, very interesting. Very interesting. Um, I was shocked yeah. to hear that, uh, I, I mean, I, 
Am I being naive to 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 be this amazed that Eugene won, or it should have been expected to be knowing his uh, name recognition? Um, well, why would you be amazed? I mean, Democratic incumbents tend to win. I I I'm not amazed. Okay. I I um I mean, you know what happens is when we're interested in a race. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, like versus say Jabari Brisport, obviously Cunningham has a much better chance. Uh, and yeah, I, I think a lot of us felt that he he had a really good shot. Um, but and I think that it's obvious that there is a lot of discontent with Eugene in his district. <laughs> right? I mean, could you tell from this? I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of the questions were really for Eugene, pointing out his flaws, which is why his supporters were pissed at the end. Um, you know, the, the, you know, the constituents are not very happy with Eugene. Eugene, uh, appears to just not be very present in the community at all. Like he's not a presence apparently, you know, he's just going through the motions. That's, that's the sense you get mm -hmm. when, um, listening to the, to the, to, to the critics, uh, and people feel like not enough is being done. You know, he's that people feel like he's not, um, creative enough there's not enough being done for the youth there's not enough being done with schools um so and of course those are those are the quality of life things that uh new residents want to see right because it, it even came up they all send their Absolutely. children to school outside the district you know what i mean and then they own these brownstones that are you know probably a, probably already worth a million dollars on the market but they can't send their districts in um, their children to school in the district. So, uh, you know, we also have to be careful about, so, so that's why that there's an interesting tension there, right? With Eugene that obviously, um, you know, the new residents, when they show up and we've seen this in, in, in our neighborhood, you know, they, they want more quality of life stuff for them. And a lot of that stuff signals gentrification and signals displacement. So, now, what's what's fascinating, uh -huh. though, is that you, you know what I mean. But what's fascinating is that somehow what Cunningham did well, and that has to be said, is he somehow managed to bring those like he those those are two sets of competing interests. But it sounds like the coalition that was around him was a coalition that agreed that those services should be available the quality of life services, but also that there should be more affordable housing. He managed to embody two things that should be intention. That's what, you know, being in the room, that's what I figured out with Cunningham. And he actually said this to us in his interview. He actually told us. It's in not just politics, the old residents. Like it should be a winning combination. Hmm. Right. So that's that's that that that's one of those things that I think was very interesting in in the campaign, and um, and I think that people feel like Cunningham would be a better ear. Now, of course, with those you know with these young kind of charismatic candidates, it's all we always think that's going to be the case, you know. But we we want to make sure that that does happen when they get into office, you know, because sometimes once they get into office, it all flips, you know. So, um, but. But the themes were good. What I liked about Cunningham is that he does support universal health care in New York, which is great. Um, and of course, you know, everybody says, you know, the, the more local you are, the easier it is to actually get some of these concessions versus running, running national, running a national campaign. So, you know, just like you've got Kashama Sawant in, um, in Seattle with the, with the, with the minimum wage campaign. And apparently there's a green who, 
was poised to do, to do very well. Um, I think in Mississippi or, or in St. Louis, I, I posted that I posted that article on my page. Um, so, um, so yeah, the, the, there are, there are, there are certain things that are big issues in, in New York city that, um, that Cunningham did, you know, appears to be one of these people who's kind of in that, um, you know, also very interesting the, 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 the debate on criminal justice was interesting and, um, uh, Cunningham talked about, you know, believing that it's time to close Rikers and that Rikers should be closed, should be closed in 10 years. And that the way to, to do that is to remove from Rikers all of the people who really should be, who, who, who are mentally ill and shouldn't be in jail, but, you know, improve the facilities for, um, for, for the mentally ill um, in order to kind of start remedying this, you know, uh, um, incarceration issue that we have for uh, Black youth um, in the city. Very well. Very well. All right, guys. So that's it for us tonight. And uh, we will be back next Friday. And uh, thank you, Ug, for calling in. Uh, actually, let me just make sure that there aren't any reactions on social media before we close, because um, sometimes there's reactions on social media. And then let's see. Yeah, I think we're good. Um, all right. So see everybody, same time, same place next Friday. And um, Legacy of 1804 signing out. Excellent. Thank you once again. Great pleasure to be with the Legacy of 1804. All right. Have a good night. Good night.